2: This is Don Fisher, the voice of Indiana football, and you're listening to Sports Yak, the number one sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Actually, the only sports podcast on the network. Here's Chuck and Corey.
1: Come on, because you have the party start. Hear that music? From South Bend, Indiana. That's in America. It's Sports Yak. This is Jimmy Shores. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. And here's your host, Corey Mann, and Indiana Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freebie. That's good. Now turn
3: it off. Welcome to episode 127 of Sports Yak. Hi, my name's Corey Mann. To my left is Chuck Freebie, Chuck Good afternoon, morning, noon. Good day
0: to you, sir. <laughs> and, Corey, I don't know how much you remember the 84 Cubs.
3: I remember them being uh, exciting. I remember Van Halen jump as they ran out of the dugout. Harry Carey was the play-by-play
0: man back then, mm-hmm. and he used to love to sing, Jody, Jody Davis, catcher without a peer. That was in the book that I read. And singing Jody Davis reminds me that episode 127 is the Jody Davis episode because that's how many home runs he had in his Cub career.
3: 127? Yes. Mm-hmm. I had a young lady in our church youth group. That was her favorite player. Her and her dad's favorite player were Jody Davis. Redhead out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Who else was on
0: that team? Oh, my goodness. You've got uh, Matthews, Dernier. You've got uh, the the penguin ron say you've got larry boa ryan sandberg leon durham was that the first year that
3: harry went with the cubs was 84
0: no 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 he had been with them a couple of years before 82 81 or 82 okay yeah
3: what a show we have for you today i'm very excited to roll this out if you are an iu fan strap in hoosiers who are you talking to today, Chuck Freedman? We're
0: talking to the Hall of Fame voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. It'll be the first time I've had a chance to actually interview Don. We'll talk about his career. We'll talk about IU football. We'll talk about IU basketball. So a full compliment from the voice of the Hoosiers himself.
3: NFL around the corner. Preseason has begun. Let's uh, come out of the gate with Andrew Luck news.
0: What is going on down in Indianapolis? Now, we told you the Colts we thought could have a better year than the Bears if Andrew Luck stayed healthy. He didn't even make it through three practices in training camp. He's been on the shelf uh, with this. What they originally said was a calf injury. He had suffered a calf injury back in March. The calf injury has now become a high ankle problem in the left leg. And last night, Colts general manager Chris Ballard said, I'm not sure he's going to be ready for the season opener on September 8th. Mm. Man, are there some warning signs going on around Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts right now. So if you're Jacoby, what's going through your mind? Well, if I'm Jacoby Brissett, I'm thinking I'm the number one guy right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for him not to feel that way. If I'm Frank Reich, I'm pouring my resources into getting Jacoby Brissett ready. And because it's the NFL, and quarterbacks rarely make it through a 16 game season unscathed,
3: I'm the, the next?
0: I'm getting the backup ready too. Do we know a name at all? I not off the top of my head, I don't.
3: Okay. Also in the NFL, a familiar name around here in South Bend, Golden Tate.
0: This is a an interesting saga that has developed around Golden Tate. So in April, he gets handed a four-game suspension from the NFL for a violation of the substance abuse policy. Now, of course, the first thing you think about that is and and you know, Golden's given us a bit of a reason <laughs> to think about this over the years. the the maple bar incident back in Seattle where he kind of took a little bit of the wacky weed a little too much and got the munchies and went crashing into a donut shop overnight to get their maple bars. So, but that was many, many years ago and allegedly he has tamed down. And this incident had nothing to do with marijuana or any hard narcotics. This had to do with Golden and his wife are seeing a fertility doctor to try to help them have a third child. And Golden was given this prescription by the fertility doctor. Apparently, the prescription is on the list of banned substances from the NFL. So Golden appealed the decision by the league, said, look, You know, you can talk to the doctor. You can. The story is on the up and up. He's 30 years old. He's signed by the New York Giants as kind of the replacement to Odell Beckham, who they've lost to the Browns. Okay. Well, the NFL didn't bite on it. They rejected the appeal, so he's going to have to sit the first four games of the season. And the Giants' offense, which wasn't a lot to write home about last year anyway, now dealt a severe blow with the loss of who was widely regarded as their top receiver. Is this Eli's last year? I think it is. Yeah. Um uh, this Daniel Jones kid that got drafted from Duke looked pretty good in the Giants first preseason game. They took him as a number 1 draft choice. It's obvious the Giants think that Eli is uh at the twilight of his career. It's the question will be can Eli perform as We've known Eli Manning to perform, or will he look like he did last
3: year? Let's head up north. College football, Jim Harbaugh in the headlines.
0: And this is another bizarre story, but Harbaugh tends to be at the focus of bizarre stories, and a lot of that has to do with his own personality. But they had a player transfer from Michigan to Cincinnati by the name of James Hudson. Hudson, I believe, at one time was an offensive lineman, had transferred because Harbaugh wanted to make him a defensive lineman. So he transfers to Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, the coach at Cincinnati, says that Harbaugh basically gummed up the transfer on purpose to make this kid sit a year. Harbaugh says that's not true. And to be fair to Jim, Harbaugh has been outspoken in the past, saying he doesn't think kids should have to sit a year. Coaches don't sit a year when they transfer. He doesn't think kids should have to sit a year. Fickle, you have to remember, is a former Ohio State player. So some of that Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, which is really bred into you at both of those institutions, I think shows up here, and I think Fickle is upset that Hudson... Didn't get the eligibility right away and is trying to take it out on Harbaugh. By the way, Fickle, an unfortunate last name. Maybe so, but uh, he's widely regarded as one of the up-and-coming head coaches and he's at the same institution where Notre Dame got Brian Kelly from. Tell me about Demetrius Jackson and his Sharpie. Uh, Demetrius Jackson uses the Sharpie to sign a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers last night. So he is going to try to catch on and be in that camp. And, of course, the Lakers made all kinds of offseason moves, but the main man on that team remains LeBron James. Uh, Demetrius would certainly be, at best, a role player on that team. Uh, likely the 11th or 12th man on the roster. He had a taste of the NBA last year playing for Philadelphia and actually had a game in double figures for the Sixers, averaged about four points a game in limited action. He has played well in the NBA G League. He seems to be right on that borderline, Corey, between sticking in the NBA and bouncing back and forth between the NBA and the G League. Obviously, we wish him well. He just made a a huge donation to his old high school, Marion High School, and they've redone the gym, and they've renamed it Demetrius Jackson Floor. So good luck to DJ. I I hope he's able to stick with the Lakers. One thing is for sure, if he does stick, he'd better bring his safety belt because that's going to be a roller
3: coaster to watch this year. Uh, Real quick, the G League, uh, is that in America? Yes,
0: the G League is basically the NBA's minor league that is played here in America. Now, obviously, if you are a professional basketball player, for instance, Nick Moore from Warsaw, he's over playing in Europe right now, uh, either France or Italy, I can't remember which one. But he's playing in Europe. He's done that for about three or four years now, making a good living for himself, doing very well. There's professional basketball leagues all over the world. Some guys play in the Middle East, some guys play in Asia, some guys play in Europe. Obviously, the creme de la creme still play here in the NBA in the United States. So that's the goal for all of these guys, and that's the goal for DJ.
3: Rainy night in Philadelphia, Cubs blow a lead. Well, they never had the lead, but they blow a great outing
0: from Jose Quintana. I mean, he was masterful last night. He struck out 14. His curveball just had the Philly hitters baffled. But, again, it's the Cub offense. I mean, everybody wants to point the bullpen. Okay, the bullpen gave up a couple of runs. Score some runs! They only had two last night. They lose to the Phillies 4-2. The road woes continue. They're 2-3 and three on this road trip. St. Louis has become hot again since they got off their West Coast swing. And the Cardinals are back to within a game of the Cubs in what promises to be a down-to-the-wire NL Central race. White Sox? White Sox split a doubleheader last night with Houston. (laughs) The first pitch of Game 1, Corey, Dylan Cease throws a pitch to George Springer. Now, I saw George Springer play at UConn. He came in here to Notre Dame and just decimated the Irish every time he came in. There was no doubt in your mind. You watched George Springer play in college. He's going to be a star at the Major League level. Mm -hmm. Guess what? He's a star at the Major League level. He hits the first pitch from Dylan Cease last night, almost up to the north side of Chicago. It went 467 feet. And Houston beats the White Sox in game one, six, two. But just to show you cannot predict baseball, Yvonne Nova comes in last night for the White Sox in game two and pitches a complete game against a very potent Astros lineup and beats them 4-1. to one. So the White Sox get the split of the doubleheader. Now look, earlier in the year we thought Ricky Renteria's team was going to flirt with 500. They don't do that, and they still don't score enough. They're offensively putrid. But at least they got a decent pitching performance last night, which is more than the Tigers can say. They continue to be the worst team in baseball. They gave up three homers to Kyle Seager last night and lost
3: 11-6. to six. Since you've been back from vacation, you've been kind of hitting it hard, getting yourself ready for high school football. You've been hitting some practices, talking to coaches and players. Give us an update on that.
0: Got to three practices yesterday. Uh, Probably been to about seven already this week. Um, We're just fired up about the high school football season. We've been posting videos on 46 sports. The main question I start all of these with, Corey, is I ask, okay, fill in the blank. Uh, Let's say I go to South Bend, Washington. Washington football will be blank in 2019. Now, I don't always use that answer because sometimes answers I get later on in the conversation are better. But uh, scroll down on that 46 Sports Facebook page, and let's uh, keep going. Let's see if we keep going. Keep going. Find the Washington football coach. Todd Stamich is the new boss of the Washington Panthers. And I had an interesting conversation with him uh, Monday night uh, before the Panthers hit the practice field about what his expectations are as he takes over one of the South Bend City programs that has been struggling in recent years. What's the measuring stick for success? It is a successful year if we do what?
1: I I think if if we just, if we increase our effort level to the point
0: that that's what I want the opposing team, the officials – Uh, media people to say about our team is that the Washington Panthers don't quit and they give effort all the time and they're good sports that's that's number one if we do all the little things the big things
1: will take care of themselves as simple as snapping down on our stance, uh, not committing costly turnovers, having a nice sharp break from the huddle, running off the field, running onto the field. If you do every little thing right, usually the big things like touchdowns, interceptions, sacks,
0: those take care of themselves. So that, that, that's how we're going to measure ourselves is, is how much effort we give and is it, is it clear to everybody else or do we just see that we're giving more effort? That'll be nice, but if everybody else sees it too, that to me is a success.
3: Anthony chimed in on your page, my favorite coach ever. You guys better get used to that pursuit drill and sled.
0: Todd Stamage was a middle school coach. He coached at Jefferson Middle School for about a dozen years. So this is his first crack at a high school team. But I like his philosophy, and I like the fact that he focuses on these little things, expecting them to blossom into big things. The Panthers were close in a lot of games last year, and they have 22 seniors back. He could get that team to 500 or above, which quite frankly for a South Bend City school these days is kind of the watermark that you judge by. Now, another South Bend City school is South Bend Clay, and they have a 29-game losing streak right now. So Garrett Fields has his work cut out for him. The numbers are down. He's only got about 30 to 35 kids on the roster. And, you know, one of the things I asked him is, how do you get this team over the top? What are your expectations? for this season.
2: I'm a senior heavy this year. Last year we were young, very young. I only, I think I graduated eight seniors last year and a couple of them didn't really contribute a lot. So this year we got a lot more seniors and hopefully they're a little bit more hungry. So hopefully we can pull out some wins this year. They're eager to get that first win. It'd be a huge, uh, left for this program, too. You know, Hopefully, it'll be, get the kids more interested in coming out to play football. Um, last year, at 55 players, we're kind of struggling this year with numbers. Hopefully, when school starts, we'll get more players out. And just getting that first win will build that momentum and hopefully get kids interested in playing this game of football.
3: My goodness, great
0: speaking voice. Oh, terrific voice. And I have mad respect for those kids who have stuck with it at sure. play. They play Hammond in week three of the season. If they're going to get the win... That's the time to do it because Hammond went 0-9 last year as well. They start off with a couple of rough games. They've got Marion and New Prairie back-to-back in the NIC. Hopefully when they step out of conference and take on Hammond, they meet up with a team. They had Hammond on the ropes last year at Hammond, Corey, and then a thunderstorm came in and canceled the game, and they couldn't get it rescheduled. Hopefully that'll be the time that they can break this losing streak and finally fly the W over clay. So you go from the two South Bend City schools to South Bend's parochial school, St. Joe. They lose their quarterback, Ashton Ruskowski. He's gone to Valparaiso now. But I'll tell you what, Brian Witten. not only does he have a nifty beard this year, he's got some nifty players as well, and he's very excited about the prospects for the Indians.
1: St. Joseph football will be exciting in 2019. Why? We've got some playmakers with Asante and John Underly, and everybody knows about John Riscoll. We've got some exciting players uh, on offense. Kenzel Kelly's going to have a great season here on defense as well. So I think that we're going to be exciting for the 2019 season. Uh, the leadership comes from, I mean, there's not a lot of us. There's only about 10 seniors that started on the freshman football team. And all 10 of us, I mean, we just, we got we got the chemistry. We lead each other. We're always positive. We try to make each other better with every rep. So uh, the competition that we're getting here is uh, making everyone better here.
3: Can I say this, too, about that field? I've driven past it three times for our downtown concert series. We went to a handful of uh, Cubs games, and I always take that road. That is one of the most beautiful high school football stadiums I've ever seen. I mean, it is so classy. Yes. Clean, and it just, it just screams, let's play some ball. And... You hope that they they appreciate
0: that one of the conversations that has been about St. Joe since they have moved into Father Bly Field is the fact that the old St. Joe teams had such horrendous facilities. They kind of wore that as a, a badge of honor, a chip on their shoulder, and they would say, "Hey, even though we've got to be this nomadic team without a home field and practice in hard scrabble conditions, that makes us tougher." There's been some thought that perhaps having such nice facilities has softened the Indians a little bit, Hmm. and we'll see if that's the case here in 2019. And then we made a stop over at Mishawaka as well. Keith Kinder's team made it to the semi-state last year, losing to Fort Wayne Dwayne. Now, they lose the school's all-time leading rusher in Chris Harness. They lose a three-year starter at quarterback in Sam Shively. So Kinder, now in his second year at the helm at Mishawaka, even he wonders how good the caveman will be in 2019.
3: I've got no predictions on whether we're any good or not. Uh, it's too soon to tell that, but I know that our kids are going to compete. Uh, we got a lot of returning starters on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Six or seven of them are three-year starters, so I know that they're competitive. Um, I think we're going to rely on our defense a lot early. Football means everything. It's where you get your toughness, it's where you get your physical attributes, and it's just a great game to play with your friends. Get out here after school and Friday nights, there's nothing better.
0: The second young man you heard from there is Ryan Watt. He has actually got a baseball scholarship to go to Western Michigan University. So I asked him, I know baseball is your number one sport. What does football mean to you? And you heard the answer that should be immortalized for every high school football player. There's nothing better than Friday nights. And Ryan Watt, I've seen him play football. He gets after it on the football field. Good
3: stuff, Chuck. Where can we see this?
0: This is at the 46 Sports, both the Twitter page and the Facebook page. Every video we get, we put on both pages. And we're trying to get to as many schools as we can before the season starts. I'm, I can't get to all of them, but we'll try to get to as many as we can.
3: You're only human. Exactly. Billy Joel.
0: Thank you. So now that we've talked high school football, we're going to talk college football. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, Joins us next on episode 127 of Sports Yak.
3: Is this
1: the real life? Is this just fantasy? Yak welcomes Mark Martell and the Ultimate Queen celebration to the Silver Creek Event Center at Four Winds in New Buffalo, Michigan, Saturday night, September 7th. Chuck and Corey are big Queen fans and even bigger Mark Martell fans. So let's put you in the audience that night. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. He's his life on his mom's Win two tickets to the show. Simply drop us an email at the sports yak with 2 ks at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Queen. Enter as often as you'd like. No purchase necessary. Winner announced Friday, August 30th. Yeah. Mark Martell's vocals will blow your mind. We are the champions, my friend. And all your favorite Queen songs performed to perfection. Activate your name today with an email to The Sports Yak. Sportsyak with 2Ks at gmail.com. We are the champions. We are the champions. champions. He's the radio voice of Indiana football and basketball. He's been named Indiana Sportscaster of the Year 26 times by two different organizations. The Indiana Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association inducted him into the ISSA Hall of Fame in 2004. He's broadcast over 1,600 Indiana University games that include eight bowl games, four NCAA basketball championship games, and two NIT championship games. Now, in his 41st year of IU broadcasting, an exclusive chat, with Don Fisher.
0: We're very excited, or at least I am, here on the Sports Jack because I get to talk to one of the icons of Indiana broadcasting, the voice of the Hoosiers for, well, now two generations. What is it, Don Fisher, 47 years now that you've been the voice of the Hoosiers?
2: Well, the start of 47, yes, sir.
0: I have to tell you right off the bat, you've been a huge influence on my career. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck when I say I grew up listening to Don Fisher (laughs) do Indiana games on the radio. I'm curious, how did you get the job back in the early 70s?
2: Well, it's kind of a long story, Chuck, but uh, to be quite honest, it was very fortunate. Uh, I had left a job in Terre Haute because they stopped doing sports uh, in that position. and went back to a, a radio station where I actually started my career in Ottawa, Illinois, uh, back in 1968 was the year that I started doing sports. And at any rate, I went back to this Ottawa station. I told them I wouldn't be there very long because I was trying to find a different job and, and you know looking for something that would open up in the spring. And they allowed me to come back there and sell and do sports, that kind of thing, over the winter months and train a high school youngster that was uh, doing their play-by-play at that time. And so at any rate, I went back there and, So about six, seven months later, I started sending out tapes and resumes and all those kinds of things. And there were four or five jobs that I had an opportunity to to go to. But I I wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really, I wasn't hot to trot on any of them, to be quite honest, uh, at that point, except for one in Eugene, Oregon. Well, next thing I know, uh, I get a call from my old boss in Terre Haute, and his name was Harvey Glore, and he said, What would you think about, or he said, did you hear anything about the job at Indiana? And I said, I don't know what job you're talking about. And he said, well, they're looking for the first exclusive voice of IU sports to do their radio play-by-play for football and basketball games. And I said, I didn't even know about this job. He said, well, he said, it's been open for some time. He said it was in broadcast magazine. I said, well, I never saw it. I thought i get broadcast every month or a week or whatever it was at that time. At any rate, long story short, he actually called the general manager in Indianapolis, the WIRE, a WIRE, guy named Don Nelson, and he said, do you have any, do you still, are you still taking resumes and, and tapes and those kinds of things for this job opening? And he said, yeah, but we're about ready to close shop on it. And he said, uh, we'll take another one, uh, just tell the guy to send this tape and resume. So I did. And next thing I know, I get interviewed for the job, and uh, about two weeks after that, they decided that Don Fisher was the guy that they wanted, which was uh, strikingly uh, funny to me, because at that time, I didn't think I had any opportunity. There were well over 200 people that had applied for the job, and somehow, some way, I think they were so tired of listening to all those tapes and resumes, they said, this guy sounds about like everybody else, let's hire him. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure you sound just like everybody else. And and then to get thrown into the tempest that is Bob Knight as your first job, what was that adjustment like?
2: Well, I I can tell you this. 27 years that I spent with Coach Knight prepared me for everything else in broadcasting I could possibly face.
0: I can imagine.
2: (laughs) No, it was was interesting, to say the least. Uh, My job was to make sure I got a pregame show with him the general manager told me at that time. He says, "This guy's gonna be a little tough to deal with at times." But your your responsibility is to get a pregame show for every ball game. I said, "Well, what does that mean?" He says, "Whatever it takes."
0: Well, <laughs> so, some of those pregame shows were were out
2: there. Uh, yes, they were. It was not just the, well. It was the pregame shows for about 10, 11 years, and then it became the uh, the talk shows as well that we started doing with Coach Knight back in 1981. There's no question. It was, it was an interesting time. He was an interesting man. He was tough to deal with at times. He was great to deal with at times. He was the whole spectrum. So uh, obviously, it like I say, it taught me and got me ready for about anything else I could face in the broadcasting business.
0: Fiercely loyal man, though, right?
2: Well, he was very loyal to those who were loyal to him, obviously. And, and, and there were even times when he wasn't as loyal as you would expect somebody that preached that gospel is like he did, but at the same time, Bob Knight was a great basketball coach. The one thing I will always say, he's one of the greatest basketball coaches in the history of the game, and I respected tremendously what he was able to accomplish.
0: Three national championships that you had the chance to call under Coach Knight, but how much would it mean to you to get a chance to call an IU Rose Bowl at some point?
2: Well, that's kind of why I keep hanging on, Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly have always wanted to get the opportunity to go to Pasadena and do a Rose Bowl game. I guess I could take a a a run for a national championship too, whether it was played to the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or wherever a Fiesta Bowl, whatever the case may be, but. Uh, honestly, you just want to get to that point where you have an opportunity. If that can come along for you in your career, it's special. And obviously, I've, I've done the three national championship game. We've been involved in five national championship title ball games, of course, of which a couple they didn't get to, or at least final fours that they didn't get to the championship ball game. But it's been so much fun. And even if that doesn't come to fruition at some point in time. Uh, I will have said that I've had more than my blessed uh, opportunities to to have a chance to do a lot of great things in the business. And, And certainly that's still one of the things that I'd like to be able to strike off the list of things that I hope to accomplish.
0: Well, obviously Tom Allen would love to make progress towards that. One of the things that seemed to hurt Indiana last year on the gridiron was a lack of depth. They appear to have addressed that, but you're the one who goes to practices, not me. Are you seeing that?
2: Well, I see it in a lot of spots. There's no question. I would argue that from a skill position standpoint this year, that Indiana has more depth at those skill spots, running back, quarterback, wide receiver. I I wouldn't say the tight end position at this juncture is deep, deep, but they've got a couple of kids that are really good there. The offensive line is suspect uh, from a depth standpoint with no question about that. Their front five, I think, will be fine. But if they have any injuries, uh, they can't go very much deeper than six or seven guys right now based on what I've seen. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't have somebody develop as the year goes on. But I think staying healthy in the offensive line is going to be critical for this team because, again, their skill position people, I think depth-wise and all those sabats that I mentioned are really, really good. On the defensive side, it's the deepest two. I guess it's the deepest back seven that I can remember at in Indiana since the Van Waiters era. If you think think okay. back to the 1987, 88, 89 era uh, of Indiana football, they they really do have a lot of solid, strong corners and and but they're all young. I mean, most of these guys are young. There are a couple of guys that are up there, long in the tooth, so to speak. But but most of these guys are. freshmen, sophomores, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, and and they're still a young defense, and they've got a chance to really be good at back seven. But the defensive line is a question mark, just like the offensive line is in some respects. Uh, I think the one thing Mark Hagan, the defensive line coach, has done over the last three or four years now, he has rotated a lot of guys. So they've got a lot of guys with experience. They are not the most talented but they work hard, and Pagan, I think, has done as good a job as anybody in the coaching staff as developing his position people. Uh, the biggest question is, can they rush quarterbacks? Can they put more pressure on quarterbacks than they have in the past? Because these kids will tackle you, and they're big and strong, and from a talent standpoint, I think they're a little bit better than they have been. But again, the, uh, the talent level is still inexperienced, and that always causes question marks.
0: Such a quick transition for Tom Allen from high school to college. How do you think he's done?
2: I think he's done a tremendous job. I mean, think about this. Uh, He he basically coached high school up until 12, 13 years ago, uh, and then he started in the college ranks at at a very small level, and he popped at Mississippi. Then he went to South Florida. He was only at both of those places, I think, for a total of three years, and now he gets uh, the defensive coordinator position at Indiana. And now he's the head coach. I mean, that's a phenomenal turnaround in a career that started as a high school coach and had a great high school reputation, but at the same time, making that adjustment's been tremendous, I, I, tremendously difficult, I think. And he's made it look easy.
0: It doesn't matter if you're at Notre Dame, Indiana, or South Bend, Washington High School. Everybody wants to know who the quarterback's going to be. It's a pretty good derby down there in Bloomington. Any insight on to who might get the advantage?
2: Well, obviously Peyton Ramsey, because of the experience factor uh, over the last two years, uh, because he's primarily been the starter for the last two seasons now, has a real advantage in that area from an experience standpoint. From a talent standpoint, Michael Penix and Jack Tuttle bring a lot to the table. Both these guys are really, really good throwers. They've got great arms. Uh, They have touch uh, on top of being able to throw it downfield, but they don't have the experience level. And right now, it's Peyton Ramsey's job to lose in the sense that if one of these other guys can beat him out, they would become number one. But Tom Allen has not, has not divulged what he thinks in that area. Now, Sunday, they scrimmaged on Sunday this past week. I, I was really impressed with what I saw from Michael Penix and Jack Tuttle as far as looking like they knew the system, understanding it, and then being able to throw the football. Peyton Ramsey has continued to look good. He continues to struggle, in my opinion, however, with the strength in his throwing arm. He can make all the throws. They just don't have the zip that the other two guys can put on the ball. And my gut feeling is that one of those other two, and probably Penix being the leader in that context, would be the guy that probably would give Peyton the biggest run for his money at this point. Tuttle just hasn't been in the system as long as Penix has, and of course, as everyone saw last year... What Michael Penix did in the Penn State game before he tore his ACL was pretty spectacular based on the wind that was blowing that day and how he threw the football. Uh, he was very impressive. So if anybody's going to give Ramsey a run for the money at the number one spot, I think it's Penix.
0: Nice problem to have. Hey, being at Indiana, we can never get far from basketball. Of course, fans in our area are all about Demisey Anderson, and as you Probably learned last year, defense is not always Demezi's best friend. Uh, how is he progressing under Archie Miller?
2: Here's the one thing that I will tell you, and I've heard this more than once now over the last uh, three or four months. Demezi Anderson is a great kid. He is one of those guys that has, I think in many respects, has become kind of a leader because Demezi is one of those guys that's not afraid to tell you, you're not working hard enough, or you better be on time, or that kind of thing. I love that about the kid. And uh, he, he's done a really good job in, in that area. The, the biggest issue for Demese, as you point out, has been his defensive play and the fact that he struggled so last year shooting the long shot. Yeah. I mean, it was stunning. I mean, he did not hit a three-pointer in Big Ten play. Now, obviously, he didn't have as many opportunities once the Big Ten season started, But if he'd have been knocking down shots, he would have been out there because they did not shoot the three ball very well, as everyone knows. So Demese surprised everybody in the negative sense by not being able to shoot the three as the season went along. Uh, And obviously with his defensive liabilities as well, that pretty much kept him on the sidelines a good part of the Big Ten season. So I don't know how he's progressed this summer. I know he is working as hard as anybody on the basketball team if he has done his job like he is you know he's capable of if he's gone out there and worked his tail off uh i think Demise is going to start making some inroads this year as a player but obviously he's got to be able to knock down shots because that's what he was really so gifted at in high school
0: i know he's a year away but you're going to love this Trey Galloway kid that you're getting from Culver Academy too
2: well i'm hearing that uh i, I you know i have not seen him play yet but I know that he, his reputation is he's a tough kid. He's a big guard. I mean, he's six-five and he's strong and physical, athletic. The one knock on him, everybody says, is his shooting ability. But I've heard that a lot of that last year was caused by a wrist injury that he had and that he has really not started to knock down shots. Everything I know about him, he's a coach's kid, as everyone knows, and the one thing you know is a coach's kid usually pretty much understands what's going on out there on the floor, and you want to have a smart, strong, physically tough kid to be out there and leading your basketball team, and I think he's going to bring some really great leadership skills to this program.
0: Well, Don, we are thrilled to have Indiana Sports on 103.1 FM, and we are still thrilled to hear your voice calling those games each and every Saturday during the fall and and on the various nights during the basketball season. I hope it's still as much fun for you as it is for us to listen.
2: Trust me when I tell you this, Chuck. I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this a long time, and I love doing it. And uh, play-by-play is what I got into this business to do. And pretty much now, that's basically what I have on my table. I, I don't have to do much else besides the play-by-play and the talk shows. So I really got it good, and I'm doing exactly what I want to do.
0: Well, you got to take care of the
2: grandkids. Absolutely. I only got 12 of those. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Don, thanks for taking some time to be with us today on Sports Jack.
2: Really appreciate your having me, and enjoyed it very much, Chuck. Sports Jack!
3: So, what did you think? I thought uh, listening to it uh, was a great interview. Thank you. I enjoyed your questions. I wanted to ask you post interview what your thoughts were because he's one of your, I don't want to say idols, but someone you looked up to when your broadcasting career began. So, what did you think? Well, first of
0: all, you know, it was nice of him to take the time to talk with us. Uh, secondly, it. It's interesting, one of the things I learned researching Don Fisher for this interview is that he and I have this in common. Both of us, our first job was selling something (laughs) door-to-door. He sold magazines, I sold China. Uh, He kicked around a little bit more than I did, moving town to town before he got his big break. But I I found the, the beginning story fascinating he didn't even know about the IU job. Somebody else was looking out for him, said, Hey, you should send your tape and resume. He did. And here we are getting ready to start his 47th season at the mic for the IU Hoosiers. Uh, with the recent death of Max Falkenberg at Kansas, I have to think Don might be the current record holder for longest tenure at the mic for a collegiate institution.
3: I would also say, and I bet you he won't do this, maybe he would, but he seems loyal to Coach Knight. I bet you he's got enough stories to fill a book. Oh, there's no question he could,
0: but I think Don believes that many of those things that happened with Bob happened in confidence, Yes, and he's not going to violate that confidence, which is fine. That's totally acceptable. That's why I didn't want to dwell too much on, I'm Bob Knight. I wanted to let people know what was going on with IU now, especially as we get ready for the football season. The Hoosiers open with Ball State on 103.1 FM, Saturday, August 31st.
3: Then if all goes well, Friday morning you'll have a
0: conversation with Tim Newton. Tim Newton, the voice of the Purdue Boilermaker football team, will join us. Jeff Braum had a, a very solid season last year at Purdue. Uh, can they build on that? And what's going on with our man Xander Horvath, the former Marion running back who has always shown some signs of maybe moving into that Purdue rotation? Will this be the year that he has a breakthrough?
3: I would encourage you to send us an email, the sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. If you're interested in Brickyard tickets in the subject line, you type Brickyard. Or maybe you're a music fan, Mark Martell in the Ultimate Queen Experience, pair of tickets for you, possibly at four wins in New Buffalo. I cannot tell you enough, Chuck, how great of a night musically it is. He is on target.
0: If you want those tickets, you put Queen Queen in the subject line. Mm-hmm. And then we'll hold drawings for both of those.
3: We're getting ready to celebrate Chuck's 15th anniversary here at the Big Broadcast Ranch. I'm very excited. I hear there's snacks. Well, as long as there's snacks,
0: you know people will show up. I told If there them, weren't
3: snacks, I think it would just probably be you and me in the room. And, of course, looking out for your best interest, I told them please consider his current... Um, habits and his diet you know don't go too overboard because i know i i don't want you stumbling and i don't want you feeling you know point put in a corner but uh i've been told you'll be taken care of i i'm sure i'll be fine mm-hmm. you feel good you feel great
0: i do i hope people enjoyed the jody davis episode
3: all right you can follow us on twitter as well sports Yak with 2ks chuck at 46 sports until next time, sports fans. Ugaluga,
0: looga Heine-Manouche lovers, you vanlingo-mungo sports maniacs